When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Terraform Development proudly supports the Hopi tribe and nonprofit Hopi entities to provide essential technical support in engineering, architectural, and project management services. Eddie Kalnimtua can relate to the hard work on the Hopi reservation, including the cornfield duties and traditional ceremonies that he was raised on. He values this tradition, so Terraform Development was formed to meet these needs on the Hopi reservation. Contact Terraform Development at T E R R A, the number 4 O R M. Dot com and follow them on Instagram at Terraform Development. Also sponsored by... Hey, Tom here with Hopi Relief. Hopi Relief is a nonprofit organization based down here in the Valley where we are providing much-needed supplies to the Hopi Reservation during this COVID-19 pandemic and beyond. Please visit HopiRelief.org and find out how you can get involved. Hopi Relief is also an Arizona-recognized charitable tax organization. And please visit us December 1st on Giving Tuesday. Thank you. Now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I'm your host, the Fight Star, Five Diamond Chef, J-Man. And with me is the guy that likes to ask everybody if they're exploiting their culture for profit, Carl. I am actually the godfather of all podcasting here on the reservation. My name is Carl. That's not true because <laughs> I am the godfather of Hopi podcasting and I got a YouTube video to prove it. <laughs> And we're back. Just we're back be, this week. Just because your face is on the YouTube video doesn't mean you're a godfather. So, you ever seen the movie um, Steve Jobs? Yes, I've seen that. You, you know, where the scene where uh, they ask Steve Jobs, you know, well, what instrument do you play? What what place do you have yeah. in the company? Because you're not a, a designer, you don't build computers, yeah. etc. Yeah. And so he told, you know, he responded and he said, I play the orchestra. <laughs> and so if you want to know what my place is around here, you do all the technical stuff, you do all the YouTube stuff. But when it comes to this uh, little group we got here, I play the orchestra. You, so. you play, you, you're the conductor of everything? Yes. You can't even <laughs> screw on the uh, microphone that I give you. And that, that's your job. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for listening to the Carl and J-Man podcast here in beautiful downtown Kikotsmovi, Arizona. We're here in our beautiful home of uh, Peace Academy Studios, uh, feeling full. We had just had a big lunch. We were just fed by L&K's Eateries. Eateries. So we'd like to thank the guys and women over at L&K Eateries. And so if you're here on the reservation and then you're feeling feeling that hunger, that, you know, give them a call at 928 250-9591 and they'll hook you up. You know, that pulled pork sandwich that I had was pretty good. Yeah, they're actually on Facebook as well too. So just type in L&K's Eatery and uh, 
have a good lunch with them. I love the chili cheese fries. Have a good lunch with them. Definitely want to support our small businesses out here on Hopi. And, you know, want to give a, another big shout out because I think that, you know, things have been rolling pretty well here. That we've got a lot of support from a lot of different folks, from our sponsors, um, from folks that uh, get giving us appreciation for giving them shout outs through the Instagram. We did that two weeks in a row supporting the the small businesses and the, the local uh, Hopi artists and other Native artists out there. But definitely give a shout out to our 30 pack contributors michelle holden deidre leslie rachel reinhardt noel Coyohoma, joyce hamilton our boy millard goenyama and gary lomayesva yeah thank you guys for contributing to our monthly supporters and if you guys want to become our monthly supporter just go to anchor.fm slash cj podcast 85 to become one of our 30 pack contributors so thank you again guys Thank you again. And I got one more shout out because I think that all the listeners out there know how big of a pro wrestling fan I am now up to this point. But you think about those earlier years. I think that a lot of uh, my other buddies were pro wrestling fans in the earlier years, but a lot of them grew out of it. And I was Uh like one of the very few that didn't grow out of it. But I actually have another buddy that also didn't grow out of it. And uh, he came knocking at my door last week and uh, he had some wrestling shirts for my son. And so I like to give a shout out to, to my buddy. Uh, Ryan Chaos So if you're out there Appreciate the uh, the t-shirts Alright well thank you guys I mean it does take uh, courage To watch two guys rub on each other And uh, I gotta give a <laughs> Shout out to my boy here J-Man For watching two guys rubbing on each other Well if you put it that way <laughs> <laughs> well, today's episode is going to be one of the uh, the best episodes here because it's a He-Man Woman Haters episode. He-Man Woman Haters Club, in a way. Yeah. We're going to be talking about man talk. Men talk. Talking about men's work. Exactly. Going outside, getting, Going. getting sweaty. Washing with, uh, washing with dirt. Hoeing around, <laughs> literally. Yeah, exactly. You know, scrubbing your face with uh, with rocks. <laughs> <laughs> and so actually today we're going to be talking about uh, Hopi farming. Hopi farming. And so this is something that I think that we've talked about to an extent on a couple of the episodes, but I definitely think that it's a topic that we could go into a deeper conversation oh, yeah. about, especially, you know, be considering that, you know, when you think about Hopi farming, yeah, that, you know, there's, I think that there's dynamics about it that makes it different than when you think about places like the Cornhusker State, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Midwest where, you know, the, the commercial farming goes on. But because I think really because historically, that farming was a way of life for our people. Yes, it was. That it became intertwined with our heritage religion. And so, you know, there's a perspective about farming that our people have that have been shared for generations. And it's something that we continue to practice. Yeah, exactly. And especially now, like with the development of technology, with the development of uh, climate change, that, you know, there's a, a huge story to be told on the contemporary side of how we farm today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my I grew up with farmers. You know, my my gua was a farmer. My tahas were farmers. You know, they're, you know, everybody in our our clan are farmers. And the reason why is because we were taught at a very young age is that if you're if you don't have a farm and you don't have corn, you're not a rich man. You're not 
you're not part of that whole. Yeah, you're poor. So I wanted to to follow into that tradition where if if I do have and if I do have that that substance there, then I become a rich man. No matter how much money I have, you're a rich man in that 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 position there. Mm-hmm. And so you know, thinking as as I mentioned that the fact that this is something that Hopis have been doing at least in our perspective since you know a phrase that you like to say a lot in time and time, memorial, time and memorial and that you know it was something that was given to us uh when we first uh emerged onto this earth and and something that we carried with us and so that you know as a child you hear a lot of lessons about farming and you hear a lot of lessons and stories of how farming is intertwined with our life. And the fact that we use corn and other types of plants as metaphors oh, yeah. for how we live our everyday lives. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, like corn that revolves here on the Hopi Reservation, it's the, it's the centerpiece of every Hopi, Hopi ceremony here. Mm-hmm. It's one of the, the building blocks, the... The first things that will be inlaid in all ceremonies that we do, and it's it's because of that. That's the reason why we we farm, and that's the reason why we grow so much um, of this this uh, you know this richness that we have, and it is it is something that we keep sacred, and we prize that so much. So in a way, it's like we develop this cycle that involves corn. Oh, yeah. Because you think about, you know, because we've said this a bunch of times that our ceremony or our dances, the main purpose of a lot of them is to bring the rain. Oh, yeah. And like you mentioned, that corn is involved in every single ceremony that we do. Oh, yeah. And so in a way you think about it, it's that we use the corn to make our offerings to pray for the rain. In turn, it rains. And because of the rain, we get more corn. Mm -hmm. And so it's this uh, secular progress that we've developed with our our perspectives and even our actions and how we approach farming yeah exactly and with that it's like the the huge circle of how hopi life is you know we we grow the corn from from the ground up just like a baby we take care of it we nurture it we make sure nothing bad happens to it and then once they grow up they give us children or they give us the corn and we take care of the corn, you know, and, and it, that cycle begins all over again. And, you know, a lot of the lessons, especially exactly what you just said, uh, a lot of these lessons that were taught at a very young age, that our kwa'as, our fathers, our tahas were the main ones communicating these messages to us. And that's something that all of all Hopi farmers at some point in time have heard is that you treat your uyi as if they were, they were your own children. Oh, yeah. And I think that that statement emphasizes how important that uh, a person's uh, crops are. Yeah. Because that if you're taking care of them in the way that you would treat your own children, and like you said, that in the way same way that you develop a baby. Yeah. And develop that baby into childhood and then into adulthood and then into an elderly state that it's the same concept with your plants. Oh yeah. And that you develop them from seeds. And then once you put your seeds into the ground, you're also putting your faith in with those seeds that they're gonna develop and grow and then become something that's gonna sustain your family. 
Oh yeah, exactly. And you know, with that, you know, you you bring the songs, uh, just like singing to a child, so they can be happy and they can feel joyous. And, and with that, you know, they grow into something bigger, and you to this old, you know, tall, tall uh, plant there. And then they, she gives you corn, and she gives you her children for you to enjoy. And and with that, then we take that in, and then we create ceremonies around that. Exactly. And this is something that we probably should have um, stated earlier, just so that folks don't get confused. Is that uyi? doesn't really uh, refer to strippers <laughs> like we said in a previous episode. <laughs> but uyi actually means plants. Uyi mean, means plants, yeah. So, so when, when a man says, I'm going to go water my uyi, you know. He really uyi. means he's going to he's, the strip club. <laughs> it's just code, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it is, it is it's crazy how we as Hopis believe in nurturing something that Mahanas do on like a daily basis, you know, like with, with huge farming, like commercial farming, like, you know, they're, they're vast in, in their farming. They have acres and acres of corn and, and, uh, and, and other, other like, uh, like, like plants like that to feed us. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when you look at Hopi farming, it's created from the depths of their, their heart, their soul, because it's something that they are creating, uh, making magic, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And it's so different too. the, the different, um, I guess, perspectives of like the commercialized farming. Oh, yeah. Because obviously, you know, they do it for uh, for the green. For the green, not exactly. For the, not for the ooey green, yeah. but for those Benjamins. <laughs> and it's funny because then, you know, like we've talked a lot about our experiences living off the reservation. And then I think that for a lot of people that live off the reservation, they tell people that, oh, we're farmers, you know, yeah. we, we farm. Yeah. yeah. And then oftentimes when you tell those people that your family is a farming family, that's what they automatically think. They think that you're growing your crops so that you could sell it. Sell it. So that you could get paid. Actually, that's true too, so. <laughs> <laughs> true these, true these true, days, true yeah. nowadays. Yeah. But, you know, that, and, and but I guess that idea of selling your uyi is kind of a, a, a concept that doesn't really fall into our perspective because it's kind of... Uh, it, it, I, I guess it contradicts what our beliefs are oh, yeah. in I regards mean, to farming. But if you do look at the past, like So and Gwai, when they used to farm before I was born, um, they used to sell their corn too. They used to say that, yeah, corn, we used to sell to like other other neighboring tribes maybe. Mm -hmm. And it was it was because they needed they needed funds and they, they had the they had the supply that other Native uh, Americans needed needed to mm -hmm. have in their ceremonies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a Gaelic thing. We don't sell our corn out at Minicopi, so. <laughs> you guys just water your stuff, so. <laughs> so, okay, so, like, the, the whole concept of, like, Hopi farming. So, J-Man was talking about Hopi farming. There is a, there's a wide re, uh, a, a difference of Hopi farming. And so, when you hear about Hopi farming, it's called dry farming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, dry farming is basically we wait till uh, a certain time to start farming because of the soil that it's it's still gathering its nutrients. It's still gathering its uh, the moisture that it needs to sustain itself through the months that it's going to grow. 
And so that's the reason why we have ceremonies. So when we do have ceremonies, it starts to rain, starts to uh, make our plants grow a little bit more. So dry farming is that we don't water our plants. Mm-hmm. We don't do anything more to it until we until we have like ceremonies. And we believe that the rain gods, we have to pay the rain gods. You got to pay the rain gods that, that green. <laughs> and when we do, then the rain gods will say that, hey, you know, you guys are, you guys gave me enough money. <laughs> <laughs> you guys put enough uh, cash into the ceremony. <laughs> You guys made the minimum deposit. You guys made the minimum cash deposit into the donation bowl. You know, <laughs> I give you some, some. And and I, I think that another thing too, that Hopi farmers are, are proud of the fact that, you know, that the traditional form of Hopi farming is dry farming, that um, it's changed the DNA of the seeds that Hopi farmers Oh yeah, it does. Here. Yeah. Because then I think that when you're a full-time farmer that you do understand of how your seeds are, are built plays big into whether you're going to have a good crop or not because then you know any farmer anywhere understands that climate is important Mm -hmm. any farmer anywhere understands the type of soil that you're putting your seeds into plays a part in it and even the types of seeds that you have and so uh seeds that don't require a lot of water are what is best suited for the desert climate out here on hopi see i i remember one time uh there was a white guy that came to Hotvela and he wanted to make a documentary about dry farming and or actually just like farming in in general and so he pulled a bunch of these older guys that were there and uh, they they just told him that yeah we don't water our plants we don't do anything so we we rely on the 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 skies above to water our plants for us and so the the Bahana guy was so confused it's like you guys don't you know tend to to your crops in, in like a traditional manner. Traditional meaning like, you know, water them, mm-hmm. make mm-hmm. sure they grow strong. And no, we don't because we, we create these ceremonies. And so you, so he was very confused on how Hopis did that. And he was very impressed that we could grow something in such a very, very dry climate here where actually nothing grows out here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the things that, and he actually called it magic. He actually called it like, this is some sort of sorcery you guys do. <laughs> it's like devil, you know, it's like witch, witch, you know, burn the witch. And it was, it was strange. And it was like something so foreign to him that he just couldn't wrap his head around that Hopis actually create magic with growing and sustaining ourselves out here. Strong Ones. Every Strong Ones design has a story and a unique meaning. They create designs to celebrate traditions of running and uplift native cultures across the globe. They also partner with local artists on special projects in hopes to expose talent and creativity of Hopi people. Strong Ones are often referred to as Ho Hongvit in the Hopi language. They can be found at hohongvit.com. That's H-O-H-O-N-G-V-I-T.com. And I, I think that a lot of farmers out here do have pride in their fields. Oh, yeah. They have pride that when they're able to have a successful crop that, you know, for those of for those that are out there that understand what type of work, what type of time and effort goes into sustaining a field. Yeah. That it is pride. It is. You feel when it you is. have a successful harvest. And it's interesting because then, you know, I think that in this day and age, with things like, um, you know, I, I think that a lot of uh, Native people now 
we kind of, and I've been saying this before, that we all throw ourselves in the same pot and that we kind of, you know, kind of mix things together and have the same perspective. And I think that the same, the perspective of of Indian country is uh, this pride in something called warriors. Oh, yeah. This warrior society and, you know, having warriors and, you know, that's kind of been the pride of a lot of tribes out there in Indian country. But out here in Hopi, it's actually the pride is being a farmer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I've always thought that that always made Hopi so distinctive from other tribes is because that we being a warrior isn't a part of our identity. It's actually being a farmer. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, it, it, it becomes uh, like that Smoke Signals movie where, you know, you want to look like you came back from <laughs> harvesting corn. But we're fishermen. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's not called dances with corn, you know, but actually that is our reality that it is dances with corn out here. Oh, yeah. And so I guess, you know, moving the conversation forward, though, you know, because uh, we, we did talk about, you know, how our perspective is about farming and about our plants and about um, how it is that we believe and how we are able to make those things successful. But uh, talk about a little bit about where those fields are and oh. how those fields come to be. OK, so like most farms on the Hopi Reservation are off the, the mesas. They're actually maybe, uh, I would say, about 20 miles away, 10 to 20 miles away from most villages, 5, 10 to 20 miles away. And it's it's because uh, traditionally men would get up super early in the morning, uh, you know, make sure that his donkey is ready to go and makes his way down to the fields and spends all day at the fields where tending to his crops. And so that's where traditionally uh, men would have their their fields where where it's off the off the uh, the mesa tops. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the the fields, I, I guess you know, for for the most part, all villages kind of have the same structure in terms of who can farm where. And so farm farming areas that are around the villages are associated to a specific clan. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, we do have clan plots, and we have clan uh, designations of where we can farm. And so, if you go to certain villages here on the reservation, they'll tell you where the the clan plots are, the clan fields are. Mm -hmm. And so, traditionally, that that's how the 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 fields are. I guess in a way developed based upon which clan has claims to what areas oh yeah around the villages and because our clans do have um uh, uh what, what do you call them uh uh tiers as to based on which clan is more important and so forth and so the more important clans get the the better field areas and then all the way down the line and then the fact that um we've mentioned this before is that our perspective is that women own Oh yeah, yeah. Quote, certain unquote, yeah own the land. Actually, yeah, women actually do own certain fields, and it's because through them, it's because of the clanship. That's why you know most clans are through uh, women, and they own a specific uh, fields where their husbands or their brothers or their uh, you know uh, their clan relatives would plant on that land, mm -hmm. and it would only be on on that land where. Most of the uh, the clan clanship would uh, would gather and would 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 make a make a good harvest there. 
Exactly. And so, you know, in this uh, in this fishbowl of the factory settings that, you know, that the idea is that, you know, as young Hopi boys, we grow up and then we find wives. And then once we find those wives based upon wherever their clanship holdings are, that becomes the field that you cultivate. Oh, yeah. And that becomes the, uh, the field that you work in. And, you know, this was something that was said by one of our special guests in a previous episode that, you know, in a way that you raise your boys for other families. Oh yeah, that is true. Because then when you do grow up and then you do get married that you end up working the field of your wife. Oh yeah, exactly. Working that field for her clan relatives. Yep, exactly. You know, it's not just all about 30 packs and good smoke. So (laughs) (laughs) you got to put in some work. You guys put in some effort into that. Got to put in some labor. (laughs) And and so, you know, we we talked a little bit about um, our upbringings, you know, the fact that you're from Hotvela and that I'm from Munkapi. You know, what are some stories around the, the field areas around Hotvela? Remember I was telling you about the story where, uh, well, actually, you know, there was a story that was revolving that uh, I I drank all the water before noontime. And, <laughs> while uh, everybody else was working. <laughs> while, everybody, while everybody else was working. And it, well, I, I was actually bringing it back. I just kind of got and thirsty. And then you tripped and that water fell into your mouth and somehow. The, you know, I tripped and it, I, I sat underneath, uh, I fell underneath a, a big corn plant that was shading me. And so, uh, you know, that was my excuse. <laughs> So, I mean, like, you know, we, I've, I've grown up with farmers and I've hated farming for some reason. I just hated farming and it's not, it's not to the fact that, you know, cause uh, I, I don't like it in general. It's because that I was a kid and, and kids are supposed to be playing with, uh, you know, teenage mutant ninja turtle dolls and, uh, watching Saturday morning cartoons and, and you know, they're not supposed to go to the field, but you know, we're Hopis. We, we grow up in that way. <laughs> And I, I, I envy, I, I, when I was younger, I envied behind the kids because they got to go to the playground all the time. I got to go, you know, roll around on the grass. You know, they got to go eat at uh Baskin Robbins, you know, you know, they, they, you know, they got parties on the weekends and you know what we got? We got, we got dirt thrown in our faces we, we had to literally fight over uh, sips of water at the field. And that was my childhood. I highly doubt that you worked so hard as a kid, Carl. <laughs> I was a hardworking kid. I just hated, I just hated working. <laughs> I, I've practically known you since you're five years old. And, you know, that, that's something that I, I have difficulties uh, in believing. <laughs> But I mean, I guess, you know, moving, you know, talking about, you know, our childhood and and talking about, you know, being part of farming families, because that really was how it was when you were growing up as a kid. Because I recall back from my childhood that, you know, I really don't remember when my father started taking me down to the to the fields. Yeah. And I think that that's probably a reality for most boys that, you know, they were being taken down to the fields at early ages. And I think that that probably was the reaction from a lot of us is that, you know, you'd rather be at home watching TV or playing with your toys on the weekends. Oh, yeah. But rather, you know, you're being dragged against your will oftentimes <laughs> down to the cornfield and then you're having uh, forced to, to work and, you know, do all of the, the labor that's uh, associated with it. Because I recall, you know, being a young boy 
But my father was, you know, like most Hopi men, you know, a real stern man. Yeah. And, you know, didn't, yeah. didn't take shit that, you know, if you tried to argue back, you know, there was no, there was this no concept of timeouts or, you know, you stand in the corner until you cool off. You know, that, yeah. that's something that none of us ever experienced. You know, you talk sideways just one time and boom, you know, you're getting hit somewhere. <laughs> and so, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, abide, abide by, you know, whatever the rules were of, of the, of the males within the household. And so, I remember that, you know, he would take me down there a lot. And like that too, I didn't want to be down there. But, you know, because I was so afraid of him that, you know, I wouldn't dare argue back or say anything back. I would just be there with my hoe in my hand crying as I'm chopping weeds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, the thing that was, or this whole farming thing was taught by my uncles. And my uncle, man, he was, he, he's still a mean guy. You know, he's, he's getting older up there and, you know, he, he's still a mean guy and I'm still a little scared of him. And I guess, I guess as a Hopi, um, Hopi male, you're supposed to be respectful to your uncles and you're supposed to be kind of scared of them because they're the ones who teach you all of these lessons here. And when I remember, you know, we, uh, I, I didn't never, I never wanted to talk back to him and I never wanted to show him my report card and, <laughs> And it was, it was through that. It was it, because of that, I had to actually study and work because he would ask for my report card. And I, I would, I would be so scared of him because he would come to the house and he would ask, Carl, where's your report card? And I was like, oh man, it didn't come today. You know, uh, I must've got lost in the mail. And so it comes out, it came just right now. Here's his report card. I'm like, God damn it. So all C's and D's and I'd be so scared of him and what he's going to say and have to work extra hard at his field. All C's and D's because you deleted all your work from your floppy disk and decided to upload photos of girls on it instead. Priorities, man. Priorities. <laughs> but, you know, there, there is, you know, there's a lot of different things that you do down at the field that, you know, there's different um chores that need to be done oh yeah and you know not all of it is bad you know some of the stuff that you do down there is kind of fun and so you know what are some of the things that you actually did enjoy about going down to the field when you were younger so what we do is called uh you know where we take out some of the the corn um stocks stocks there and what we do is that it's called thinning it out so the reason why we thin the the plant out is so that it can gain more water from from just a few few stocks there in order to grow a lot more bigger corn and so i love doing that i love doing taking some of that out and then you know just uh, you know, pretending that, uh, you know, I'm a whipper kachina, you know, just going and then start whipping all my brothers with the corn stalks. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the fun part about it. <laughs> well, I didn't mind be like you said, you know, we, we are irrigators out yeah. there. And so, you know, that was always a fun thing to do was, was irrigating. And because then, you know, it's, it's something that as kids, you got to play in the water Yeah, because we will always play in the water that every time that that's something that you did. And, you know, I think that the, the big myth about irrigation out at Munkapi is that a lot of Hopi seem to think that it's just like a, a, a faucet spout that you can turn the water on and off as uh, as we please.
trees, but there's a list, goddammit, and then you have to wait in line <laughs> before that water gets to you, you know. But that is something that I, I do remember fondly as being a kid is that you get to roll around, play in the irrigation ditches, and then, you know, as that water comes in, that you're still in, in the ditch yeah. while the water's coming through and then playing in it. And so that was one of the fun things that I enjoyed doing. But then, you know, you think about some of those really difficult things that you just hate it doing. And I think that always, you know, for a lot of people that I talk to, I think it's the actual process of planting that a lot of people <laughs> don't like to do. Yeah, that is true. I just don't like hand planting. You know, it, <laughs> and, and and that's the thing is because, um, and, and that's another big contrast with uh, traditional, or at least the way we farm out here in, in, verse, in comparison to the um, commercial farmers, is that we don't have those heavy machinery that a lot of those farmers out there have. And so oftentimes that a majority of the work that's done at the field was done by hand. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of the farming that we still do is done by hand. Like we, we go down to the field, we have, uh, um, you know, we have, uh, what are they called? Um, not how, how would you say yoktaka, like hose? Hose. Hose. Boats and hose. <laughs> we have yoktakas and, you know, we... we basically clean the whole area with that and and make sure that everything there is ready for planting or there if we have plants there it's all nice and cleaned no weed whackers no weed whacking around no tillers <laughs> i don't even know what those are <laughs> <laughs> i've seen your modern day tools parked outside of your house oh yeah 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 so don't look over there <laughs> <laughs> I'll be saying the same thing to you when I see you driving your water truck down to your field this summer. <laughs> hey, that's uh, it's for my eyes only. <laughs> I told you that in confidence. <laughs> I, told you, I told you that in confidence, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it is, you know, like like planting by hand is, is such a chore because oh, yeah. then for the most part that a lot of the fields that people have out here, they're fairly large fields. Yeah. And so that when you're planting by hand that, you know, there's a whole process of, of clearing the sand out and then digging that hole, putting the seeds in and then covering it, you know, and that, that takes some time um, for, for a lot of people that it takes sometimes even weeks just oh, yeah. to plant a field. Yeah, exactly. And I remember my quad telling me is that, you know, the, when, when he was, when he was young and with his dad, he would go out and plant and he would do the same thing too. He would, he would hate getting up early in the morning, like three o'clock in the morning, just to go down to the field, which is about five miles, five, 10 miles away from the village on his donkey. And then going there and then working all day. He remembers his dad uh, that that does that. And he was the same way as every Hopi man here. He would he wouldn't he wouldn't uh, let up. He wouldn't give that that easy day like, you yeah. know. Like, okay, son, we're going to have an easy day. Let's go frolic through the woods. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. No, it's like, if you don't, you know, you know, bust this whole field here, you know, you're not going home with me. <laughs> and I, I think that a lot of us experience that is that, you know, when you are down there it, it, as, as kids, yeah. you're kind of just waiting, you know, for them to tell you, okay, let's go home. And yeah. like, that's, that's the signal that, that you're waiting for. I remember my guau was telling me that story is like, you know, when he had the horses, there was a horse corral by his, by his field, by their field. And, at lunchtime, he would get so excited for lunch because that's when his dad would go take a nap and he would wait for him. And it's like, uh, and he would take a nap for about a good, maybe 20, 30 minutes. And 
you know, Gua would say, okay, you know, he might be asleep for a while. I can, you know, not work for a while. And like clockwork, his dad would be up and they would be working again. And he would wait till like uh, sundown and he would get so tired and he's like waiting and he would just like barely, you know, hoe around. He would just barely do all his work. And <laughs> this is a run out the clock situation. And just like running out the clock. And finally his dad would say, go get the horses. Oh man, he dropped everything. <laughs> and he run towards the corral. And he's like, yeah, he's like, it's go home day. You know? <laughs> it, it's funny though, because a lot of us do feel that because I remember <laughs> being young and, you know, my dad would tell me ahead of time, you know, let's do this part of the field. We'll yeah. do this part of the field. Yeah. And we'll go home. And then as for getting closer oh thank god you know it's almost time for us to go and then we'd finish yeah and then we'd start walking and then i would always watch my dad because then he will always veer off to a different part of the field then <laughs> i would watch him and he would start going again I'm like oh my god and then he'd tell me oh let's finish this uh. part then we'll go home and you're like oh my god we were so close to going home but now you know we're having to work some more yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, if you talk to any Hopi male that has a field out here, he'll tell you the exact same stories of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that, you know, probably a part of the reason why we were like that as kids. And I, I think it probably really is just a change in how we lived our lives because we've talked about this before that, you know, our kwa'as, uh -huh. our kwa'as would be at the fields all day long. Oh, yeah. That they wouldn't even come home, that they would take their lunches with them. Uh -huh. They take their water with them. And it's because probably that when they were younger that they were raised in that way oh yeah and the fact that we depended so much more on what you produce from your field more so back in those days but then as the times changed and then when we grew up that sometimes you know you would go down there in the morning and then you would work till a certain point in time then you'd go home sometimes you don't go back but sometimes you would but when the sun when it becomes more cooler Oh, yeah, exactly. And nowadays, I mean, we don't do that. We don't spend all our time down at the field. And it's it's because of how we modern modernize the whole situation of Hopi. Yeah. And it's it's because of how we we think in a way where where money is more important than corn. And and we 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 systemize the fact that that the corn is second to, to us earning something that we can actually spend money with. Yeah, yeah, because we said that before that your mom doesn't pack you a ear of corn to pay for <laughs> your lunch at school. Yeah. And, and that sort of thing. But another thing, too, that I kind of really wanted to touch upon, too, is that um, within our culture, that farming is one of those things that's uh, gender specific. Oh, yeah, it is. It's gender specific to, to males. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes it's mostly the men that are uh, planting cultivating the crops and, you know, developing, developing a majority of that heavy work, because I think that women do play a part within the farming cycle, but it's in minimal roles. Oh yeah. And so, you know, sometimes in, in, in some villages, they have parts where there's small gardens uh -huh. to, and, and in those small gardens, that's usually where the females would help out more so. Yeah, would gather, would plant uh, like maybe just squash, beans, chili, you know, all of these little things that you would grow in a garden. And so why, why is farming gender specific to the male within Hopi culture? I think it's because of way that we were all raised in that and that we raised children in a specific way. And that we believe that farming is is made for the males itself, and it's made for how we 
how we see Hopi tradition in a way where like, you know, we where Hopi men are the ones that portray in ceremonies are, are portrayed in different, um, in different uh, cultural uh, uh, doings here on the reservation. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's because of that. It's because that we, we give, uh, you know, the, the children to the women and the women take care of that afterwards. And that, I guess that's the same concept of farming. So in other words, we're still cavemen out here. So pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, women do play, um, uh, I guess in a way, they do play a large role within within the farming cycle because essentially that, you know, when you're fortunate enough to have a successful harvest, that whether you're handing it over to your wife or your mother or your sisters, that as soon as you make that transfer of whatever it is that you grew, your nut money, yeah. that, that becomes the property of the female. Yeah. And so in turn, they become the keepers of those seeds. And so they're, they essentially become the protectors of our seeds in yeah. the same way that they're protectors of the actual children. Oh, yeah. And then also, too, that when it becomes close to uh, in uh, the farming season, that they're the ones that prepare the seeds. That they're the ones that clean the seeds and get it ready so that the male in turn can put it into the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're the ones who make sure that every seed in there is at perfect stand. Yeah, a good seed. Throwing out all the bad seeds, you know, Uh and making sure that all of them are good enough to make more children and Mm -hmm. make more, uh, you know, yourselves rich. Mm -hmm. So I don't know who it was that dropped the ball with you, Carl, because uh, (laughs) I I think you're kind of a bad seed. I was one of the top tier seeds there. (laughs) You're one of the seeds that floated to the top. (laughs) That floated to the top. So now, I mean, like now farming here on the reservation. Yeah, you look like a buoyant kind of guy. (laughs) So now farming here on the reservation is not about just going down to the field with your hoe and with your, uh, uh, with your, with your hoe and your, uh, your, you know, jug of water it's it's all about it's all about like um not 30 pack and good smokes (laughs) it's all about being on tractors now and there's this whole controversy of being on tractors now so i mean like you know i don't know if you own a tractor my dad does oh yeah okay well we own a tractor and we we plant with the tractor and we uh we uh make we clean the field with the tractor and we do everything you're too good for uh, modern technology (laughs) I have a mic and I, I create a podcast. <laughs> like I said, when I see you driving to your field with your water truck. <laughs> I didn't pay the water gods enough. This is how I uh, compensate. So, and you know, th- nowadays, I mean, we have this whole controversy of being like traditional farmers or being modern, modern farmers. And, and in that, in that whole controversy creates this whole, it sparks up this whole part of how, how we as Hopi see ourselves as farmers now. Mm -hmm. And I I do think that that's true because I think that, you know, we as Hopis, we have so much pride in that we've maintained a lot of what used to be back then and still continuing a lot of those traditions today. But I think the fact that, you know, we are getting more involved or learning more about certain types of technology, that you do see the types of technology find its way into the villages Nowadays, like you're saying, that it's popping up down in the fields because we have tractors. Um, There's some other type of modern day tools that you might see. 
certain farmers using or even uh, the types of crops that people are planting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, we're now nowadays, I mean, we don't we don't just stick to just one thing. Now we we're planting different types of beans, different types of watermelon, squash, uh, you know, something that's not really associated with real traditional farming, but it is in a way it's like modern to Hopi now. I heard from a source that you're planting beets now. And, uh, <laughs> I plant asparagus. Brussels sprouts. I plant asparagus now. <laughs> I'm an asparagus farmer. <laughs> We're fishermen out here. <laughs> and so how do you, how do you think that, um, the, the usage of some of these new tools like the tractors, how, how has that changed in comparison to what you remember from your early years as, oh, as a farmer? It actually allevi- alleviated a lot of uh, hard work for us or hard work for me. Mm-hmm. Because you mentioned that, you know, planting with a tractor, that that cuts down so much time. Oh, yeah. It cuts down so much time. What once took days now takes a day. Now it takes a plant. Yeah, it takes hours, basically. Or hours. Yeah. Hours. And the fact that, you know, a lot of farmers nowadays, they do use the tractors. We use tillers. Y- you and guys so, use tillers. And okay. so you don't have to uh, hoe as much, uh-huh. hoeing around as much. Um there's probably some other tools too that kind of cut down the the legwork of what things used to be done by hand. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of modern tools that actually help us out. And I have to thank John Deere for that. I have to thank them because, you know, they're the ones who gave us a tractor so we can, uh, so I cannot stay at the field all day. And so I can uh, have have my day back and go watch Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> and then we got to thank thank all those country singers for uh, anthems <laughs> like uh, she thinks my tractor's sexy. <laughs> Get up on the hood of my uh, daddy's green tractor. And <laughs> so I mean, it's it's coming to that time where we're going to be starting heading out here. So is there any other? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got I got a question. For okay. You. So do you think that your conversations that you have on this podcast, do you think you're exploiting uh, your culture and your religion? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to sell Hopi and stuff like that. <laughs> no, no, that was a joke <laughs> question. But I, I think that, you know, one of the things that I definitely wanted to touch upon before we go today in, in regards to farming, and you and I have had this conversation to a uh, long extent, is that, you know, as 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 young farmers, you know, yeah. we're, we're still young yeah. in the eyes of a lot of uh, Hopi people out here but as young farmers you always hear stories from the older people about the farming and how things were back in their day oh yeah and they always paint this picture of um that things were so much more glorious back in the day you always hear stories of how it rained so much more a long time ago that you didn't have to worry about the crows so much a long time ago yeah that it seemed that it was less of an effort to get a good harvest back in those days but then in this day and age you know i joke with you about the water truck but that's something that's becoming a reality now especially out here due to the climate due to the fact that it's not raining as much the fact that we're not getting the moisture that we used to see years ago or mm-hmm. even decades ago, that it becomes difficult now to be a farmer. And the fact that we still have this idea of being, of having some sort of worth when you are a good farmer, when you do produce those good harvests, when you are able to supply, whether it's your wife's family or your mother and your sister's, or your wife's sisters with a good crop that that does make you feel like uh, a successful man. 
Yeah. But due to the current conditions that a lot of us aren't having successful crops anymore. And so the fact that it's like that now, it kind of creates this, um, it kind of creates these issues that affect your mental health. It does. Because then not only are you stressed out, the fact that sometimes, you know, your crops aren't doing so well, but then also too, you feel this level of uh, shame to a degree. Yeah. The fact that you can't produce what it, what uh, you think that you should be producing. And so, you know, that's something that you and I have talked about to, to a degree outside of the podcast, but you know, and, and that's something that it's very difficult to even, you know, conjure how you can control the climate. But, you know, what do you think that the farming, the farming practices are going to look like moving forward for Hopi? I mean, in the near future, I'm seeing the Hopi farming is going to be obsolete because of the way that we're, we're going now at the rate that we're going now. And what the climate is, is becoming, I see that Hopi farming will be obsolete. Not in my time, not in your time, maybe in your kid's time, maybe not even in your kid's time, but it will be obsolete. And that's a scary thing to think about. Oh, yeah, exactly. But it's something that we do think about. And it's something, it's something that we do worry about. And it is a reality. It is a reality that we think about all the time. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, uh, thank you again. <laughs> well, well, thanks for ending the podcast on a downer. <laughs> that was my fault. <laughs> well, thank you again for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. And if you guys... Um, If you guys still want to become monthly sponsors, please go to our anchor site, anchor.fm slash CJ podcast to become a monthly sponsor. And if you want, or if you want to uh, just donate a dollar, just go to buymeacoffee.com slash CJ podcast. And on a happy note, (laughs) our t-shirts are available for sale. Oh yeah. And exactly. So go to our Facebook page and find it there. Uh, Or, or. You can to go to carlandjman.bigcartel.com. Okay, so that's bigcartel.com. carlandjman.bigcartel.com. Okay, I'm not going to confuse you guys <laughs> anymore. <laughs> All right, well, thank you again for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. My name is Carl. Before this- we go, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, if you're not following us on our socials, uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Carl and J-Man. And then also, too, if you're listening to us on YouTube, don't forget to smash that like button, like and subscribe. And if you're listening to us on any of the uh, podcast uh, servers, please give us a five-star review. And that'll help us to get more into the mentions for people who are looking for podcasts. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, thank you again for listening to Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. My name is Carl, and this is my best friend, J-Man. So long. Quack, quack.